Happy Monday, everybody. Sherm here, the crazy Asian. Hope everyone fantastic now, the moment that you listen to this one. Um, leadership, but more so talking from uh, two different um, spaces here. So the first one I want to talk about is the power of story. So I was recently talking to my brother um, who'd gone to a leadership retreat um, for the organization he works for, and <clears throat> they were talking about the power of story when leaders have the ability to be able to translate simple concepts or to be able to reinforce some particular principles when they use story can be a very, very powerful way to be able to connect with others. And so I think about the different ways that we engage as leaders and those of influence in a way to be able to make things simple is drawing correlations between different things or to be able to share a story that might be uh, from a personal use and might be from um, things that you've experienced and engaged with others, especially as a leader. You can talk about those that have exemplified specific characteristics and being able to reiterate some specific points of um, <clears throat> characteristics that you want your employees to be able to uh, master and to be able to then deliver in their engagement on a regular basis. One of the biggest struggles I find is that we want to be able to change the pronoun of all the stories to an I when the problem that will create is that it might put you on a pedestal or um, below the ground level. And what I'll explain that in a second. So what it does is it it, it might take away, because you're talking about yourself as a leader, from the principle that's at hand. So when you put yourself on a pedestal, you're making yourself sound too grandiose. And that you don't want to be able to establish an already you know, manager to employee relationship or a director to employee relationship or, you know, CEO to um, employee relationship because that already exists. They already feel that difference. They already can recognize that. Where <clears throat> putting yourself on, you know, below ground level is you're either throwing yourself under the bus or you're justifying poor behavior that you don't want to see, but yet you're describing that that's what something that you had done. Now, it doesn't mean that you're, you're lying or you're exaggerating, you're speaking with hyperbole, that you've never done anything of insignificance or you haven't had any mistakes. I think showing mistakes in business is one thing. Showing bad habits or different actions that you don't want to see sets up the stage of, well, if you've done it in the past, then it doesn't really matter if I do it which is not what you want to be able to establish in this uh, story method. I think oftentimes having peers that, especially those that are still at the organization where they've been able to exemplify some great, um, some great attributes, I think that can be a powerful way to be able to reiterate some specific areas that you want to make sure that the employees rally around. As you think and reflect upon the different stories that you can use, you can pull things from your childhood, from the, the old college days, and then also from your working days. A variety of your stories can help create simplicity and can make that principle more timeless. I think about a great 
story from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People where it was seek first to understand, then to be understood. And it talks about how Stephen Covey was coming down um, on the train and there's these children that were just kind of run a little bit rambunctious and they're kind of running all over this this uh this train car and he looks over at um you know what kind of is the father and he starts making some judgments like man what is wrong with this guy he's not even, not even paying attention and he and he made a comment to the guy like oh you know you, you know your kids uh, they must be you know hopped up on sugar pretty excited here and then he kind of came out of his days and he goes i'm sorry I, I, I haven't really noticed after, you know, we're just coming back from my wife's funeral, their mom's funeral. And all of a sudden, Stephen Covey just, you know, mentally, you know, just foot and mouth and then comes over and tries to console and, and be compassionate. But it was a great reminder that we can't judge when we don't know. So that story can stick with you for a long time as you think about that principle, seek first to understand, then to be understood. <clears throat> See things from others' perspectives first. As you reflect upon the stories of your life and the stories that you've engaged with, which ones do you think can reiterate specific habits and characteristics that you want your employees to exemplify. End of the part one. Sherbs out. Part two, the power of story explained. So recently, um, I, you know, a lot of you know that I took a new position down here in Houston and I'm working with a team of employees and helping them hit specific goals. That's my role as a director. And so <clears throat> with one of the employees um, last Friday, I'm wanting to help help them see where they are at when it comes to their overall um, goals and and you know their goals for the year and making sure that they are being able to hit their sales numbers. So one of the things that I was talking with him about was um, and let's call let's call his name James. And so when I was talking to James, I was telling him, um, well, first asking him. Do you know where you're at from a sales number perspective? Where are you at? And he goes on then to tell me, um, you know, all the different things that he's submitted. And I said, no, what I'm trying to get at is what has gone through and been accepted as business. And he didn't know the number, but again, just went down the road of rehashing the exact same story that we just had. And I said, okay, like James, I'm trying to help identify what number are you at so far? What's been accepted as orders? And, and then he got upset and, and um, didn't like how I was raising my voice. And then he proceeded then to, um, it was interesting, he kept calling my name Sherman. Sherman this and Sherman that and it was just an interesting conversation so he, he definitely started getting angry and I, and I said James I don't know why you're where you're getting angry I'm asking you questions so that way I know where 
you to make sure that you know where you're at. And then he proceeds to tell me how he, you know, made phone calls to the corporate office to make sure that he knew where his numbers were on Tuesday. And again, he's submitted business and, you know, business gets paid for on a daily basis. So um, we're talking on Friday. So I want to know what the number is that morning. And so um, we're, we're definitely not like connecting here on this conversation. And, um, and so we, we end up, you know, okay, so he, he, he's stuck that on Tuesday, he did all this work and then, um, and then we're going to connect on Monday. Um, although I, I wanted to meet with him on Friday to go through this stuff face to face, cause it's a lot easier to explain, you know, pen to pad than it is on over the phone. And then, um, he even had the audacity to say that the reason why he has a ticket that then led to his car being booted and then towed is because the compensation didn't pay him at the right time. And it really was that he didn't know when he's getting paid. So instead of taking responsibility for his actions of parking in the wrong spot, he decides to deflect that onto someone else, which I just find it really interesting. Um, and so later on that day, we, uh, James and I have another conversation because I, I pulled up the numbers and it's not adding up. And so I said, um, like, you know, did, did anyone verify your calculations? So he's, he's calculated out what he thinks his no- sales numbers are. And when I look on the actual report, it's nowhere near it. And so I said, I just don't want there to be any surprises come Monday because we're end of a quarter, his yeah, um, end of the quarter. And so I want to make sure that come Monday, you're not, you know, you understand where you are. That's what I'm trying to identify here. And then um, he goes, I know, like, I know where things are. And, and, and again, rehashes the story about how he had this conversation on Tuesday with the corporate office. And, and, and so I'm not going to try to go down that road again. And so I said, well, just so you know, like the, the struggle is, is that, um, you know, we work in a contract and so it has to be, the business has to be approved. And that's when he lost it and started yelling at me on the phone about how I'm throwing the contract in his face. And, and, and then he just goes on about, you know, about what he's doing and, and his, his voice gets high pitched and I have a hard time understanding what he's saying. But the gist of it was that he's doing all this work and, you know, didn't know if, you know, he was meant to be part of the company. And, and so I said, but you're going after people in your family to have contracts with us, but yet you don't know if this is the right company for you. That's, he didn't, he, he, then changed his tune on that one and said, oh no, I'm, I'm part of the company and I'm all in. And so it was interesting just because um, he's one of those employees that's been tr- doing it his way from the very beginning. And, and I said, you know, you have to f- understand that when we coach and develop people, we do it our way and helping people get to where they want to go. And these are the things that our way is. 
And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I see, I know where I stand with you. And then he just again goes off and yells. And, and so where I'm coming from, the context, number one, is as a leader, we must bite our tongue to not match anger with anger, right? So if I would have started yelling back, it's not going to go down the right road. Someone needs to be calm in that conversation. Number two is, as an employee, I don't think there's anything that's justifiable to start having a yelling tone with other people. Now, I've gotten frustrated at work, sure, but the idea to start yelling at others seems a little bit excessive, doesn't it? So I want to be able to put that out there for a lot of people. I think that that is an area that they can focus in on is either as a leader biting your tongue or as an employee making sure that you're not allowing your emotions to get the best of you. What it does is it causes a disconnect in the conversation that all of a sudden it was professional and business and then all of a sudden it goes to this very weird emotional dialogue which in for all intents and purposes shouldn't exist you know a lot of times you don't want to be arguing um, emotionally you don't want to be responding in anger it doesn't usually lead to uh, fruitful conversations. The other thing that comes to mind in this regard is as I reflect upon my behavior in that scenario with James is I want to, you know, and I might need to record myself. I want to make sure that my tone didn't get high or didn't come across as um, obviously I'd be irritated, but not like angry because I don't think that that would help. So to, to go back to, I don't think anger and anger equals peace. I don't think it comes to a fruitful conversation. Um, so the other thing that I will say when it comes to um, what I call courageous conversations or conflict resolutions is having those heart-to-heart conversations about where someone is, is in my opinion, totally valid. If you feel that an employee that you're working with isn't stepping up to where they need to be, then it's totally appropriate to say to that individual, I don't think, James, that you're doing it the right way. And so what's interesting, though, is this is an employee, to go back to my scenario specifically, this is an employee that's been hired for a total of 90 days. They've only had one quarter with our company and yet is very unprofessional in these kinds of scenarios. And so that's what's definitely frustrating is we have someone that's wanting to do it their way and not seeing the validity of those that are doing it our way. Um, And I don't think it has to be the adage leadership-wise of it's our way or the highway. It's I either coach you up or I coach you out. I don't believe that our organization is for everyone. Somebody that wants to do it on their own should go do it on their own. Those that want the support and um, structure of those that have, you know, that are successful 
in our industry will find value in our process. And that's that's us being very confident on who we are and our skill sets and our deliverables to help people grow and develop. As, as I ponder and reflect on that conversation, I know I'm not perfect. And so I hope that I came across professional in that conversation. Going back to the heart-to-heart conversation I'm going to have to have later on today, it's, again, seeking first to understand, then to be understood, if I can use the part one of this podcast, and identify for myself what is the best way to be able to help this person Um, Number one, first feel understood, and then to be able to relate, this is where we are. This is the reality. What's the next step? I wish all of you the best of luck today in your leadership and conversational pursuits. Do not shrink from those heart-to-heart conversations. Have them and enjoy. Shut up,